welcome back to you know what i've been wondering i'm sarah i'm jane here we are how are you sarah oh i'm good i've had like a really up and down 24 hours because um tom brady won another super bowl (laughs) I hate him. I hate him so much, but the internet is also now starting to hate him, which is exciting because I've been waiting for the internet to start hating him. I don't think you're, I don't think you were alone in hating him. No, I don't think I was either, but in an interview last night, he, in the locker room, he, um, and the, the thing he was in front of, that's clearly his space has a make America great again hat on it no after after he wore a helmet that said just blase statement and racism on the back so a bunch of people are like hmm interesting and I'm like yes yes I love when we shit on Tom Brady I love it I love it let's do it some more I'm mad that he I'm mad that he won and he got MVP I still but I did also didn't want to root for the Chiefs because the Chiefs seem to change their name yeah I did see a tweet today that was by an author that I like Glennon Doyle and she wrote the chiefs to just take out the eye and be the chefs. They wear puffy white hats <laughs> and serve canapes. <laughs> and I was like, you're right. They should. And they could, so, they could have like a, a team like slogan of there's no eye in chefs. That's about teamwork. I, that is, that's good. That's a good one. You're right. They should do that. But then another thing that's like kind of put it on the up is that my little, whom I adore, sent me a Valentine's Day <laughs> gift. And the Valentine's Day gift is a Barbie doll of my bias from BTS. And I, like, it's one thing when you, like, get a get a Valentine's Day gift or you get a gift and you, like, know a gift is coming. I didn't know she sent me something. I had literally no idea. I just randomly had this box from her. And inside, it said on the box, it was so cute. And she said, your Valentine's Day card. And then at point, there was a card taped to the box. And then she said, um your valentine for your valentine's day look and she there was like a box that pointed to some lipstick and then she said for your date and then there was an arrow pointing to Young, and i was like what is this andy was there when i opened it and he judged me so hard because i just i just went straight to screaming i was like oh my god I love him. He's got pink hair. He, and his his outfit's like a Valentine's Day outfit. He's wearing like a red flowery blazer and a, a shirt with some hearts on it. It's very thematically appropriate. So <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. But that's how I'm doing. Jane, how are you? Um, I'm doing good. I started a new job today, uh, which I'm very excited to be doing. Um, and my big exciting thing that's going on is I'm going to see you in like a week. That's not a week. You're going to see me on Saturday and it's Monday. I have a countdown on my phone and it's going until, um, arbitrarily just Friday at midnight. Like I didn't know exactly when I would see you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I literally, it's <laughs> days until Sarah time, three days, five hours. <laughs> And the picture is of you that time we went to the zoo and there was an emu that hated you. <laughs> oh my God, that emu and it's hates you. my guts. Every time we walked past the like enclosure, which the was like the center of the zoo and the entire zoo went around it. Like it was a circle, no matter, yeah. No matter where you were, you could see the 
enclosure. He, he like yeah. stood there like staring at us angrily. And anytime we got close, he would like charge at Sarah. And it was literally like, if he could speak, he'd be like, you want to square up? Like I'm ready to fight. Like he it's was so he, mad at Sarah. <laughs> he hated me. I came back to work after that weekend. And I, some, I was like, I told the kids, I would tell them a funny story. And I was like, if they behaved and they behaved. So I was like, okay, my funny story is that over the weekend, I met an emu. Anyone know what that is? And I'm an Australian girl in my class. So she knew what it was. And I was like, I met an emu and he hated me. (laughs) He didn't believe me. So I showed them the video of him like bobbing his head up and down. He would, he followed me across the zoo. He really did. Every time we turned around, he was staring at you. And it wasn't like he was staring at the group of us. It was like, it was like we could be staring up, standing 10 feet apart and he'd be like following you. Yeah, it was unreal. That was, that's one of my weirdest experiences with an animal. I would say it just unnecessarily hated me. I was like, (laughs) can it get over the enclosure? Like it's, I'm safe. Right. But it's neck could get through the wire and it tried to stick its head Maybe in like a past life, you like murdered his brother or something. Or I don't know. It was weird. It was, he didn't like whatever energy I was putting out that day. It did not vibe with him. Anyway, should we get started? Sure. So Sarah, you asked me about real life switched at birth stories. Oh, I forgot. This is what I asked about. Yeah. And I have found for you, thanks to mostly to i think it's called mum. oh stay at home mum.com i thought it was just called mum.com and it's like slogan was stay at home and i was like i love covid responsibility sounds <laughs> <laughs> about being no it's the it's, it's called stay at home mum.com but these are all real stories that actually happened the first one i have for you is pretty run of the mill uh, in August of 2010, <laughs> run of the mill, run of the mill for these stories. Some of these stories, I okay. was like, they just keep going. Um, in August of 2010, two baby girls were born on the same day in Tambo Memorial Hospital in Johannesburg, and it was it's believed, although we they, we don't know exactly how, that a nurse mixed up the name tags, and that is how they were switched. But it took. Neither parents noticed the mistake when it happened. Four I years mean, later, newborns all look exactly the same, so I yeah. totally get it. You know, yeah. I wouldn't notice either. Yeah. Um. Four years later, um, one of the mothers was breaking up with her boyfriend, who was the believed to be the father of the baby. Um. And he, but he was denying paternity, so she was suing him for child support. And because he was like, "Well, this kid doesn't look like me," like he accused her of having an affair essentially and see. demanded a DNA test. And the results came back that neither of them were the parent of the child they were raising. The, that's truly wild. Yeah. That's not even the only time in this list of stories that I have read that that happens. Like that is a common way that switched up birth cases get, <laughs> get figured out. It's because they, um, they get a divorce and they're like, because yeah, like he's the guy's insistent that the woman cheated yeah i mean uh, that's true because in most cases you know who the you you know you who the mother is yeah you know who the mother is you'd never hear of anybody getting a maternity test if they've raised the baby their whole lives i mean i'm sure it happens but right it's not like demanded frequently anyway the mother who f- figured it out who got the 
DNA results, uh, tried to get her birth daughter back, but eventually both parents decided not to switch the girls back because they had grown to see the child that they were raising as their own. That's insane. Oh, I mean, like, I get it. Like, I get it. But also it's like, you gave birth to that child. The other child, that is your child. What happens in the show Switched at Birth which we briefly mentioned last time, which I have Mm -hmm. not seen all of. I've only seen the first few seasons, but I think they handle it best. And that when they find out there, the two families move in together at the richer families, like large home. So that they can all be a part of each other. Although one of them lives in like a guest house. So it's not like they're all in one home, but they can be close enough that they can get to know their biological child. That I guess that makes sense, but it still would be so odd. Yeah, I don't know. That's like I don't know. It's such a tricky situation. I don't have it. I don't have an answer that I think is like the solution. But mm-hmm. it's like I understand that like you've raised that kid in yeah. your mind. That's your kid. But also the other one, like you, you gave birth, and yes, adoption and all yeah. that, and like you know, you don't have to give birth to somebody for them to be your family. But that still would be. I feel like to know. Yeah, I think it depends on the age. This second story is just like. It makes me mad because of the incompetence. Okay. So in 1994, <laughs> there were two baby girls born in, is it pronounced Can Fran? Can Fran? Con. Con. Yeah. I was like, the, the place where the film festival is, Con, <laughs> um, France. And both of them were born jaundiced. Now, mm. when babies are are born with jaundice, there are special incubators you can put them in to help them. Uh, mm get over the jaundice however the clinic that they were born in only had two of these incubators okay and one of the incubators that they had at the clinic was already in use by another baby so the two girls were put in the same incubator together and then yeah and then when the nurses went to like get the babies to bring them back they just like picked up the wrong ones That's- and that is unfortunate. I know. Um, now here's the infuriating part. When the babies were brought back to their mothers, both mothers looked at the baby and said that the length of the girl's hair was wrong. Like one mother was like, my baby's hair is longer than this. Yeah. And the other mother was like, my baby's hair is not this long. And all of the like medical professionals that they tried to bring this up to said oh, well, the jaundice treatment can extend or shorten hair. So that's, like, not a red flag. And, like, totally dismissed them. Yeah, that's because we don't believe women. I know. (laughs) So anyway, so they went home separate, like, with the wrong parents. Ten years later, uh, (laughs) one family had been asked all the time by uh, other people like it, it, oh is your daughter adopted because she doesn't really look like you they got to ask that all the time and finally one father gr- again grew suspicious that his wife might have had an affair so he ordered a paternity test the mother of that child when she found out when the results came back that she was not the biological mother of the girl she was raising she said she felt an even stronger connection to her like the universe had brought them together interesting yeah Both parents sued the clinic and won over $2 million. (laughs) Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, but neither parent wanted to unswitch the kids. It's really common. I guess it's like when you haven't raised the kid, you carried that child for nine months. I mean, I guess the other woman did too. So it's like even Stevens, you know, but I don't... (laughs) 
Well, it's like, would you want to give up your kid? Like, I feel like both mothers would want to just have both kids, but like, that's not fair to the other mother. So it, it's rough. I, yeah, I guess in your mind, at that point, you've put in so much love and attention to yeah. the to the kid that you had that it's like, yeah, that that is your kid. You've sort of adopted this child. It's yeah. your kid. Right. Even if you didn't, if, even if you thought you were the mother and you're not or the father. I don't know. I would just be so devastated if I like yeah. gave birth to a child and then I and then, found out yeah. I'd, I'd had somebody else's kid the entire time because yeah. I, I'm the type of person that I think I would only be able to think about the time I lost with mm-hmm. my kid, yeah. even though I had this like really special experience with this other child. Yeah. All right. My third story comes from Japan. Okay, so there was a 60 year old man who was the eldest son of a very wealthy family and in Japan, birth order holds spe- yeah. like even more significance. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he was the eldest child was a big deal. And he always thought it was kind of strange that he didn't look a lot like his parents. So he mm-hmm. decided to investigate hospital records and he found that he had been switched at birth and was in fact the youngest son of a very <gasps> poor family. Oh my mm-hmm. God. The other baby grew up in poverty with his father dying while he was very young and it left his family dependent on welfare. He had very little education and grew up and became a truck driver and was just not a very wealthy guy. Uh, the The other child, on the other hand, received the best education money could buy and he led a very privileged life. And again, at this point, they were 60 years old when they found That's out. That's crazy. So, That's so sad. Yeah, I know. So at that point, like there was no effort to like unswitch them. Like neither of them right. were in the custody of parents anymore. And I'm, I'm, right. I don't even think like their parents, but, if they were alive, were very, very old. But did, the, were there legal repercussions for the one who was richer in terms of like his inheritance and things like that? I don't know. Um, but, because I don't think it would pass to him. I don't think most of the time in, in situations like that. Um, it would only pass him if he was like legally adopted because then mm-hmm. he wouldn't be considered. I don't know. I don't know. That's weird. Uh, apparently the mother of the rich uh, man, um, or the woman who raised the richer mm-hmm. man um, noted when, after she gave birth that the, that her child was returned to her rare wearing different clothing than he was when she like handed them off to the nurse or whoever mm-hmm. um and but she didn't like nothing was really thought about that until later yeah. um the man who was raised poor because of the situation sued the hospital and won three hundred thousand dollars and luckily for him or nicely i guess for him he gained some more family because his biological brothers reached out to him and now they're all very close Um, so he got some money and some new family out of it but uh, (laughs) yeah he kind of got the short end of the stick there yeah this next story is like i love this woman i love this mother i can't stand that no one listened to her Mm. here we go Uh, In 2013, two baby girls were born in a clinic in San Juan, Argentina. One mother, whose name is Maria Lorena uh, Gerbeno, Mm -hmm. had a baby via a C-section and -hmm. was told like right when her daughter was born that her baby weighed three kilograms. Mm -hmm. 
Later that day, her daughter was brought back to her after testing and she was told that her baby weighed 3.75 kilograms and they told her that she was misremembering the entire day uh, because she, in fact, did not have a, they told her that she didn't have a C-section. In fact, she delivered vaginally to a breached baby, which I don't understand. She was like, that's not what happened. And they were like, you're you wrong. Can't. Like, like you, you how would she forget that? <laughs> you wouldn't forget like, that. No, you wouldn't forget that. And also what I don't understand is she was in a, a like a clinic. And if you had just had a C-section, like you'd be post-op. Wouldn't you have like a big, like, yeah, he- you would healing scar on your stomach. Like you absolutely would be post-op. Although you said, which country was this in? Argentina. I don't know what their healthcare system is like. So yeah, I don't, don't know either. Um, but so she like tried to protest. She was like, I'm telling you all I had a C-section t- today and my baby weighed three kilograms. So I don't know what's going on, but no one believed her. And she was sent home with the wrong baby. So it seemed like it wasn't that they mixed up the baby. It was that they mixed up her. Yeah, maybe. Which again, I feel like it would be with so a different mother easy to tell like this woman had a C-section today because you'd have a, a wound on your belly. Like, <sighs> she refused to let it go and two weeks later she had to come back to the clinic for a checkup and she looked into the records for women who had had a baby on the same day as she did and she literally went around and talked to all of the women and like asked them about their experiences and their day and she found this other woman named veronica tejada and when they compared stories they realized that their daughters had the correct like respective weights like mm-hmm. the weights of the babies lined up for them having switched. Yeah. Um, so coincidentally, um, Maria Lorena Garbeno is a lawyer. Oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah. So she had DNA tests done, which confirmed what was happening. And because the babies were only like two weeks old and partially like, because the entire time that she had this other baby, she, she was knew, like, I, that's not my kid. She was like, yeah. this isn't my baby. Um, they, switched back and it was very amicable and both families believed that the other yeah. family had cared for their baby well and it was a, a right. very amicable situation but yeah, in that case it was, it was like thank it was, it was sh- god yeah, it was for this lit. mother yeah standing really. up for herself and refusing to be bullied by like dumb doctors yeah what the hell i know <laughs> i gotta see a second no you didn't like i'm so easy <laughs> to prove. yes i did <laughs> this one is nuts okay so in 1971 a woman named Laura Kane uh, gave birth to twin boys who she named Marcus and George. Now, she was not financially able to care for the twins at the time that they were born. So she arranged to have them placed into foster care temporarily until she married their father, Randy Holmes, which I think is so funny. Like, I got a rich baby daddy. Give me two months to, like, <laughs> make him legally pay for stuff. <laughs> Give me a That's- minute. But two months later, she did exactly that she returned and received custody of the boys that she believed to be her twins uh george and marcus yeah she was given two boys named george and marcus they were like here you go here are your twins she was like great um and she was told that oh she was like don't shouldn't they look alike they're twins and they were like no it's okay they're fraternal twins uh, so and she was like oh, okay i guess that makes sense and she took the boys and went on with her life and raised them. How old were the boys at this point? Two months. Oh, they were little. Okay. Yeah, they were little. 
what had happened was while the boys were in foster care, there was another baby and he also had the first name Marcus. Hmm. So the twin Marcus and this other baby Marcus at some point got switched and the Marcus that <laughs> that is the real twin that acts, wasn't her Marcus <laughs> no the Marcus that she did not give birth to was accidentally given uh, the Marcus that she did give birth to was accidentally given up for adoption <gasps> and another family took him and changed his name to Brent Tremblay she put two twin two identical twins into foster care left with one of them and a different baby with the same first name oh my god i know (laughs) 21 years go by no one really notices a thing when the boys are 21 years old george uh begins working at a theater at carlton university which happens to be the same school where brent the real marcus happened to be a student that's some twin telepathy you cannot tell me that that wasn't telepathy that they both ended up there uh, they when the two met they became friends and George thought it was crazy that there was this resemblance with Brent so he brought him to meet his brother Marcus and who, the real Brent and <laughs> and they realized what had happened that in fact they were identical twins all along wait just see after they met Marcus not Marcus they were like clearly this is a switch up like they just figured it out like parent trap like, well, he was literally like, I need you to meet my brother. Like, I like, I think you look exactly like me. And he brought him to, and he, I don't know how exactly they figured it out, but they said that they figured it out really quickly, but they didn't tell their parents for another 18 months because oh they were like worried about how their parents would react. Now, this is kind of a, a correct instinct of theirs because when their families did find out they shut down all relations with the media so we don't know how the story ends <gasps> just that it like how just that that happened so uh, but now, you i'm know, like imagining this like crazy story where they like um like kept the brothers away from each other <laughs> they the found job. out when they were like 10 but they were like we won't tell them yes this is this is their deep family secret Mm -hmm. this next one is kind of sad uh in 1995 rebecca chittam and callie johnson were switched at birth in a in charlottesville hospital which is in virginia i believe when the two of them were three years old callie's mom paula johnson was splitting up from her boyfriend the who she believed to be the father of her baby Uh, well i mean he was the father of her biological baby uh, his name was Carlton Conley. And the two of them had had a really rocky relationship. They like never really clicked. They were constantly fighting. Mm-hmm. And Carlton basically believed that his girlfriend had had an affair and he didn't think that Callie looked like him. So he demanded a paternity test. Okay. And this is how the mix-up was discovered. Now, this is so sad to me. Tragically, the very same day that the hospital realized what had happened because of this paternity test, um, the parents who were raising Rebecca Chittam died in a car accident. (gasps) I know. They were 
um, according to the people who knew them, they were a very kind couple. They were very much in love. They were incredibly devoted to their daughter and they loved her more than like life itself. And they never learned that she wasn't biologically theirs. And that's so tragic. That is tragic. But did she just go, did they have other kids? I don't think so. So did she just go to live with her biological parents? No, she, um, I believe was, was raised by her like extended family. I don't know exactly who, but like grandparents, aunts, uncles, that type of thing. Interesting. She remained with that family, just not her parents. There was a really messy legal battle, but ultimately what was decided was that both girls were left in the custody of the families that were raising them. Uh, Rebecca being raised by, like I said, extended family and Callie remaining with uh, Paula and Carlton, who again, like were not the best of parents. Callie though, because there was this like very loving family raising Rebecca and they, the court battle gave them rights to visit each other. Um, Callie visited the Chittam family very regularly and she and Rebecca have become very close. Uh, Rebecca stopped visiting her biological family as a teen uh, just because, yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's also kind of hard though because she probably had this like perfect image of her adoptive parents. Like right. they're these amazing people and then her biological parents like probably couldn't ever measure up. The two girls though are very close now and they plan to move in together in the house that Callie's birth parents bought just before their death. <laughs> this next story I titled Men Suck. <laughs> <laughs> Men do suck. You are correct. Okay, so in Wisconsin, in 1951, two girls were born and switched at birth. One mother knew immediately. I It is more frequent. It does seem these stories are more frequent with girls than boys. I mean, a lot of these are not that old, but boys are like, ah, yes, a son. And girls are like, okay. So in Wisconsin in 1951, two girls were born and switched at birth. One mother knew immediately. And she told her husband, this child's not mine. Uh, Something must have happened. And her husband was a reverend who had a friendship with the doctor who delivered both girls. And he told his wife, do not ruin this doctor's, this doctor's reputation. Oh my Uh, God. I know. And (laughs) like, you don't have anything to base this on. This is just suspicion. And even if the babies were switched, that was God's will. Oh my God. Is what he told his wife. Uh, men suck. I know. Um, but the other mother attended their church mm. and she, I don't think she brought the baby. Yeah. She didn't bring the baby to church though, but he, like her husband, the Reverend ordered his wife not to tell the other mother what had happened, like not to tell anyone what she suspected, but for years, like she would like approach her at church and like drop hints like, Oh, isn't it kind of odd that like, I think maybe like my daughter looks like you or like, like that kind of thing. Um, It just dropped hints. It wasn't until decades later in 1994 when the Reverend met his biological daughter and thought that she looked so much like him and realized that his wife had been right the whole time and he got DNA tests, which confirmed the switch. But at this point, the women were 43 years old. So So it wasn't exactly like a custody thing. And I don't think any legal proceedings took place. Uh, both of them were mothers of, of their own at the t- like by then it was oh a whole God. messy thing but that guy is, just sounds like the worst like ugh, he does this one is kind of insane um my, I I, okay segment was short 
I have, okay. I have two more stories. The last one is the one that I'm like screaming about. Okay. So, but here's my second to last one. So a man in his late eighties named Jim Mm -hmm. Morgan was dying. And Mm -hmm. on his deathbed, he told one of his daughters that he didn't think her sister was his natural born daughter. (gasps) Can you imagine (laughs) if you were on your deathbed and your father was like, come here, come here. I don't think he's mine. (laughs) That would be crazy. Uh, that would be crazy oh my god well this guy is kind of like the reverse of those like crappy fathers who were demanding dna tests Mm -hmm. he said like their family uh was very um irish and they they were all very blonde and pale white people Mm -hmm. and um this woman's sister what Mm -hmm. had a was much darker in complexion but Mm. um Jim Morgan, their father said that he loved her like he was her daughter. And so even if he were to find <laughs> she was his daughter, he wasn't her daughter. What did I say? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said he, he was her daughter. Yeah. He felt like she he felt like she was his daughter. And he of said course. that even if he were to find out that his wife had had an affair right. or that she were switched at birth, it wouldn't change anything. He would still love right. her just as much. And he didn't want to find out the truth. <laughs> So I'm getting, he's just going to put it on the sister, be like, hey, hey, come here. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you something. That's literally what he did, though. So the sister did some digging, and then ultimately she found her real biological sister, who was this very pale blonde girl, this like blonde right. white girl being raised in a Spanish speaking area <laughs> by a Mexican family. And the Mexican family wasn't like something doesn't add up. I don't know what they thought. Oh, the thing is, like, like I feel like a lot of these stories, like, ultimately, they're like, we don't want to say that we regret being raised with the family we did or whatever. Um, But in this one, the sister like came forward and she was like, "Well, we're all happy to have the truth revealed." And obviously, like, I love the sister I was raised with, and um, I don't think any of us like are like don't love our families. Um, Right. Both girls kind of had this feeling where they struggled fitting in with their cultures and struggled connect with like connecting that the cultures right. they, they were raised with. And then when the switch was revealed, they also like had a lot of trouble identifying with their heritage because they weren't raised with it culturally. Right. right. Um, so there was, they're both dealing with a lot of like identity issues in that regard. And in that way, they're like, I wish the switch had never happened. I wish I had been raised in the right. <laughs> culture that my heritage is uh but i think it's just for the, like I, I don't think that has anything to do with like the love of their family yeah it's just them yeah yeah definitely. struggling to fit in in the world yeah okay now here's the final one and this one uh, okay so in 1978 two girls uh were born and their names were kimberly mays and arlena twig and they went home from the hospital with the wrong parents now, sadly, the mother who was raising Kimberly died when she was two years old. Yeah. A couple years later, um, like when Kimberly was about nine, um, her father remarried and her new stepmother adopted her. And so she's still like a very loving um, family. The other, now here's where things get like mm. sad. The other girl, Arlena, died of a heart condition um when they were like about 10 years old uh now do it while doing 
post-mortem tests on Arlena, Mm -hmm. it was revealed that she wasn't biologically related to the people who were raising her. So the twigs, like who am I, like they lost the girl they were raising, they lost their daughter, but then they were told like, this girl isn't your daughter. You have another daughter out there somewhere. So they went out searching for their biological daughter. When they found her, they found Kimberly and she was 10 years old. And they took the Mays family to court claiming that they knew Mm -hmm. about Arlena's heart condition because it was present ever since she was a baby and switched them (gasps) on purpose so that they could have a healthy child. (gasps) I know. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? (gasps) Now, this is where I think it's even crazier. According to the nurse who testified, and this wasn't proven, this is just what she, she thinks happened. She claims that now remember Kimberly's mother died mm-hmm. when she was little and that would have been mm-hmm. Arlena's biological mm-hmm. mother. So a bio- so a mother and daughter are both Your ill. Mother. Okay. The nurse claims that the doctor yeah. knew that both baby Arlena and her mother were sick and he thought it would be better for this ill woman to have a healthy child in the few years she had left and for the ill child to have a healthy mother to raise her so he switched her right. switched the babies on purpose <gasps> none of these theories were ever oh my God. fully confirmed like we don't know like what really happened um but the twigs did win visitation rights Mm-hmm. Uh, like to go and visit Kimberly but sadly they stopped visiting her um, after five visits because when yeah. they visited her it like very much upset her and they felt upset traumatizing her and they, they didn't want to be causing her any further distress so they stopped visiting her which is really sad but in that that's nuts, so like, sad uh, wow that's crazy like that's such a soap opera thing that's to happen. Like absolutely insane. I feel like that's an episode of Grey's Anatomy. Like pregnant woman comes in, she's like, it is. She's sick, and then the baby's born, and they find out it has a heart condition, and they're like, let's give the sick baby to a healthy woman. Give some families. Well, like I don't know if that helps anyone or hurts no, them. like ab- the poor father it's and husband would have. Like I mean, he did lose a daughter and a, a mother, but sort of in a different way, like a daughter and a wife, but. He lost a wife and then later found out that his biological right. daughter was had passed away. So I don't like that would have been very, very tough for him. But I don't know, like, right. if it makes it any better to have two families experiencing loss instead of one. I don't know how that would have helped anything if the doctor really did it. I, I, right. I don't know. It's crazy. Right. Yeah, so those is... are my stories. Okay, so. For the speedy middle segment, I guess, um, today, we, I would like to talk about the Gorilla Glue no. hair incident. Do you know about this? Oh my God. Okay. All right. <laughs> there is a woman on Instagram and on TikTok who has gotten over 16 million views on TikTok because she sprayed Gorilla Glue in her hair instead of uh-huh. she so she normally she is a black woman and she normally uses this called glue 
grab glue uh-huh. i think is what it's called it's it's a hairspray uh-huh. made for black hair that um is meant to just like keep it close to your head because to fight frizziness things like that and she had run out so in her tiktok she says that she sprayed her hair with gorilla glue for a quick fix not realizing oh, that gorilla no. glue is the strongest glue that exists yeah it's sold at a hardware store like it is it is the strongest glue out there now she did this a month ago but she started posting about it on tiktok about a week ago saying that she'd washed her hair like 15 times she had tried a bunch of at-home remedies like she she, her hair hat she said her hair has not moved in a month (laughs) it's just been stuck to her head and she posted videos of it it's like disgusting she posted videos of like herself of her and like what looks what appears to be her roommate or her mother like trying to peel it out of her hair it's not helping people were commenting remedies they were suggesting certain chemicals and <gasps> then on saturday she went to the hospital to oh okay try to like get like I, yeah st- apparently i was worried that they sterilized like, no not for a medical <laughs> try to like to get the, the glue doctor. out of her hair oh <gasps> no 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 that hasn't happened yet um <laughs> but she essentially is like i'm doing whatever i can to avoid having to shave yeah. my head because she has she just like she's this to. long she beautiful ponytail and she wants to keep it yeah. okay but no, also but I mean, she like, sprayed I her gorilla glue in her, her hair like, <laughs> it's her hair we can't tell her what to do with it right right okay so she goes to the hospital so on saturday she was about going to the hospital and she was posting instagram updates of herself at the hospital (gasps) today even though she went on saturday but we still don't know what happened at the hospital but the video is like the photo there's a photo of sterile water and i think like methane tablets i think and the nurse like was about to wash her hair out but then today the reason it started it popped up for me today is that she started trending on twitter because the woman her name is tessica Tessica gave an interview. <laughs> also, the New York Times wrote an article about this. Like, this it's all happening, you know? It's all happening. This woman, Tessica, gave an interview to a Toronto gossip magazine. And the magazine reported that she said she left the hospital on Saturday because she would have had to be there for 20 hours and she didn't want to have to wait that long. And so now the internet is going crazy because I'm like, girl, you've had Gorilla Glue in your hair for a month. Like, what do you My- mean? You don't want to spend 20 hours at the hospital. <laughs> and like, she also started this GoFundMe and like the GoFundMe's raised over $9,000 and people are being shady. They're like, you shouldn't donate to her GoFundMe. She did something stupid. <laughs> it's like, but she still has a hospital bill. It's like, it's just so like, I don't even know what to think. Like this woman. And okay, but here's the kicker. Let me finish. Let me get the real kicker. The, the headline today about her on Twitter is that Gorilla Glue got notified that she is pursuing <laughs> legal action <laughs> against Gorilla Glue. And Gorilla Glue was like, we have no comment about this at this time. Our labels clearly say to keep away from skin, hair, and clothing. Like, 
we we are sold at the <laughs> hardware store. We are a glue. <laughs> like we are sorry she's in the hospital and we wish her well. There, but like there's no way that she has any legal course here. Like there is no, like Gorilla Glue did literally nothing wrong. Like I just can't I can't emphasize this enough that she sprayed it in her hair. And do I feel bad for her? Because clearly she made a devastating mistake. Yes. Do I think she has any right to sue gorilla glue no i don't i'm not gonna ingest like super glue and be like how dare you not let me ingest okay that couple and things sue super uh, one glue. <laughs> um what occurred to me when you were talking about the like what they're trying to do at the hospital with the like tablets and the wash i my worry is like yeah she doesn't want to shave her head and she like should if she wants to tr- spend as much money as she can and desperately try to avoid having to shave her hair like okay it's your hair do what you want to try to save it um but i feel like any chemicals that you expose your hair to to be strong enough to dissolve gorilla glue would really mess up your hair like it might just dis- would it dissolve your hair? like at that point you might as well shave it you're just totally yeah. going to destroy the quality of your hair it's not going to be the same um it'll it might fall right off yeah second day this reminds me of a post i literally saw today that was like a tumblr post shared onto facebook um of a guy who was a lawyer and every day he brought lunch to work and put it in the company office and somebody else was eating his food like somebody else kept eating his lunch and so eventually he started bringing it in paper bags and writing on it do not eat and then but the person kept eating Uh so then he started writing do not eat poison like this food contains poison do not eat but then like months went by and it was still getting eaten by somebody else so eventually he was like i can't handle this anymore so he put laxatives in his food and then like left it in the company fridge and then he got and then the guy who had been eating his food for months and months and months ate the food and got sick and then sued him for poisoning him. And the guy ended up essentially getting away with it. Like, like he was found guilty, but they didn't give him any like punishment or anything because they were like, you literally like warned him. Like you told him it contained poison and he kept eating it. So he can't blame you for there being poison in the food that you told him had poison in it. Like- Right. Um, I I just can't deal with people. There are also people that think that the Gorilla Glue is a stunt and that she doesn't really have Gorilla Glue in her hair because the videos, like her evidence mm. of it only started popping up a week ago, but she said it's been going on for a month. And then some <laughs> people think it was a stunt by Gorilla Glue because like when back last June, they posted something about standing in solidarity with black lives and now this black woman has glue trapped in her that hair. That would be a terrible like, it's all stunt. stunt. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's real, but if she... If she has glue in her <laughs> hair, like you have to get it out. Like, I don't know what to tell uh, you. That was my middle segment. That was my Reddit segment. The Twitter's going insane <laughs> over Gorilla Glue Woman. Um I don't put don't put gorilla yeah. glue in your hair. Like, it just seems like one of those things that's obvious. And like maybe, maybe she didn't know what gorilla glue is. I understand that it's confusing that her hair product contained the word glue in it okay but she knew she maybe knew when she read the that words that was not a hair glue she was because like, she acknowledged this, that she like gor- like they put this on gorilla fur i don't know i don't want to i don't why why would she have bought something that they I, would maybe put on gorilla maybe she was like, like why would it be around her house? 
This is girl. I don't know. I don't know, Sarah. It was a bad decision. I'm trying to make it seem justifiable, but like, it's not. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I hope this woman's okay. I hope this woman's okay. Like, if you donated to her, like you are a very kind person and who like clearly just wants to see the best in people and I admire you for that um <laughs> I won't donate but she also is like already far exceeded mm-hmm. her donation goal so I don't feel the need to but <laughs> just like, just she's really trying not she's trying to have a lesson today folks uh, I don't know <laughs> that I don't know bad. you know I wouldn't be shocked if five minute crafts told her to do this she was trying a hack that's the that's someone else brought that up on twitter it's like you make fun but there are so many like mm-hmm. stupid hacks out there that are geared towards women that yeah. like this could have easily mm-hmm. been like let's try this stupid hack and it went wrong you know okay let's learn about some pyramids so how were the pyramids built let's talk about it the great pyramids of giza are the only surviving wonder of the ancient world if you didn't know, <laughs> rest in peace, the Library of Alexandria breaks my heart. Um, and the Great Pyramid of Khufu, which is the largest of the pyramids, is the tallest, was the tallest man-made structure for 4,000 years. And it was only marginally surpassed by the Eiffel Tower in 1889. The, and for reference, the Great Pyramid of Khufu is 139 <gasps> meters high, and the Eiffel Tower is very close in height. So like yeah. it, it's it's a six meter difference yeah and that was for four thousand years it took us four thousand mm. years to get a little taller than that pyramid it was built four thousand five hundred years ago when egyptians did not have wheels or steel only copper and copper alloys and the pyramid is made of two million rocks which are 1.86 meters deep um and the pyramid itself the pyramids themselves were built in the span of 20 to 30 years so for each pyramid three of them to be made of about two million rocks i think that's the average between the three because they're not all the same size you'd be ha- you'd have to be laying a stone assuming that they had a 10-hour work day you'd have to be laying a stone once every three minutes for that, that would to have be- been accomplished just think about that that's how efficient yeah, that's how efficient Did they, they have were like a crazy assembly line going where it's like while one was being lifted, the other was being big be- like beginning to be lifted. Well, we don't we don't know exactly, but we're mm-hmm. gonna discuss how it because no plans survived to show us explicitly how the pyramids were built. We have diagrams and hieroglyphs and other things that show us what building in general was like. And archaeological digs and all of that have revealed some things, but we have no concrete plans that say like, yeah, this is what they did. And there are many outlandish theories as to how they were built, um, including aliens. But the accepted theory, which is mm-hmm. still plausible, is that the pyramids were built by slaves. That was the accepted uh, method for hundreds of years until recently, um, more discoveries by archaeologists potentially debunk this theory and now historians and archaeologists support the idea that the pyramid builders were actually skilled laborers they were hired specifically for this for this task Uh, and they think this because there is a burial ground that was discovered near the pyramids of the supposed builders they assumed and for a long time they had assumed that 
great. Anybody who died working the pyramids was buried here. These are the people. And the burial ground was found with artifacts amongst it artifacts that point to them having an honorable barrier burial and so archaeologists now think if the builders were slaves they wouldn't have had such an honorable burial and they wouldn't have had like a marked mm-hmm. like a place for it like they probably would have just general been thrown grave. into a general grave and burials of that <laughs> stature yeah general grave um <laughs> or a mass grave rather um And so because there was a specific site for the builders of the pyramids, they had to have had some status in the, in the world. So now many people believe that the people who built the pyramids were skilled workers and skilled laborers hired for this specific purpose. Um, But what is a mystery to this day isn't so much who built it because we have evidence that man Mm -hmm. built it. It's how they were able to move the stones. As far as they can tell, they didn't use rollers, um, which is when you put a slat on top of, because they didn't have wheels, which are on a fixed axle. Um, uh, So rollers is when there's a slat on top of a series of cylindrical objects and you just kind of roll it Mm -hmm. and you keep moving a roller to the front so it keeps going. There's no evidence that they used those. None, None whatsoever. Um, so they must have dragged the stones across the desert in sleds. Now, again, there is no artifact that tells us that this is what they did for the pyramids, but there is a famous Egyptian diagram showing a statue on a sled and the statue is gigantic. Um, and it's, it, the statue is being pulled by 178 men and they approximate that that statue weighed around 68 tons. So 178 men pulling 68 tons. And in the diagram, there's a man at the front of the sled pouring water onto the sand. And that's because water in sand reduces friction. um, And when friction is reduced, the weight Mm -hmm. is also reduced by about half. So this is probably how they moved artifacts around the Egyptian desert at the time. Um, which seeing the diagram, the only thing I would oh, think was the like, I would part. want to be the guy on the front of the sled pouring the water. Like you don't have to pull anything. That's <laughs> the best straws. job. Like were the other people like, like was that a higher job? Like the other people were probably slaves, and he had to be like, like he had to be important, right? If he got to be the one that poured the water, and he, he, he went not it. Like that's definitely the best job. He been absolutely or he like cheated and yeah, was like okay we'll do this fairly meeny miny mo but he like skipped himself a million a bunch of times so mm. that's how they that's how they think they transported the stones just based off of what they did for other things in the pyramid the outside stones are made of granite and the inside was made of limestone Lot, granite is obviously much heavier than limestone. So limestone was the primary thing that was used um, for a very specific reason, which I will explain in a little bit. Um, some of the limestone blocks were cut using copper saw, saws. Copper was the strongest metal they had at the time. Now pyramids have to be built on level ground. They have to be in order for them to stand properly. And you can visibly see at the site of the pyramids of Giza that the ground was leveled. Like mm-hmm. it was leveled by man. It, w- it does not naturally occur like that. 
so some speculate that the Nile flooded around the time that the pyramids were going to begin to be built or just before, um, and that they used the oh. water to create a channel that would mark the high ground. So they knew, so they knew this mm-hmm. is where this is, it was essentially like a leveler for them like this. And they all leveled it off to the top of that canal. Now there is a, like I said, the inside was limestone. The outside was granite. Granite is significantly heavier. And there is a granite quarry in Egypt where most people assume at this point they transported the stone for the pyramids. However, that quarry is a thousand kilometers away from Giza. So the most logical explanation for how they got the granite from that point to Giza is that when the Nile flooded, water would come through the quarry and they would then move the stones up, like up to Giza on that water and they would just row. Oh. So they had to wait until yeah. there was a lot of rainfall so that the Nile would flood so that they could get the granite up there. So it would have required an enormous amount of planning. And again, they still did this remarkably efficiently. It still happened in 20 to 30 years. Yes. Like it's their it's entire construction. Um, the stones would have been floated down on rafts and quarrying the stones after before they even got on the rafts, quarrying the stones would have been immensely difficult because granite is one of the hardest rocks <laughs> out there. Granite is a seven. Seven out of ten. The, What's the scale? Pretty called? good. Pretty good stone. Well, it's truly out of 10. It's tr- it's <laughs> truly, it's truly out of 10 because 10 is diamond. So granite is my hard. thing is like and it's hard because I, it contains quartz. So like as somebody who's gone through lifeguard trading and has had to rescue a 10-pound weight from the bottom of the pool, things <laughs> get heavier in water, I feel like. Yeah, but they're not they're not carrying it through the water. It's on a raft. I still feel like it would sink. It's not in water. Well, not if it's a good <laughs> raft. Okay. So they built this raft. The thing is, is to dig this quarry, the Egyptians dug a massive trench in this granite quarry by smashing dolomite rocks, which are softer, <laughs> into the granite over and over and over again. The most mundane task ever. And the pro- they they only made five millimeters of progress every hour. And they dug a trench. So they would, dug a trench. So this granite quarry would have taken hundreds of years. Like it just like it's an old like and the quarry's still there. We can see the quarry. After all, it's like it's like, yeah, the fact that they built the pyramid was impressive. The fact that they got they quarried yeah. the granite in the first place, unbelievable. Unbelievable. So <laughs> that's my that's my speech on granite. The best guess as to how the pyramid itself was built, once they had all the rocks and they leveled the ground, which is already astounding in itself, was through the use of ramps. Now, it's not like, yes, so the, the pyramid's a triangle. It's not that they put a ramp up the face of a pyramid because that would have actually... They would cover it up. It would have covered up too much of the pyramid. It would have taken up too much space. It would have been inefficient. So some people suggest that the ramp instead mm-hmm. was like scaffolding that wrapped around the pyramid. It went in a circle all the way up because they couldn't. They couldn't have just like covered it and gone up. Also, the slope would be too much. Like it just didn't make sense. So they think that's how they did it. Ramps have been found in dig sites around the pyramids, not any substantially large pieces, but they're like, that could have been a ramp. So that's the most likely scenario. It went around like scaffolding. Now, 
one third of the height of the pyramid accounts for only 4% of all the materials in the pyramids. They speculate that this is because levers were used to finish the pyramid's top levels. So like literally they made a little midi period pyramid on the ground oh, and they used okay. a lever to like Love simple pull it and put it on top. When the pyramids were built, the pyramids were actually white because of the limestone. Um, and the top was covered in electrum, which is gold and silver. So they had this like really like almost, they were supposed to look like the sunlight. Like the top was gold and it glinted in the light and it was all white and it was supposed to look like the sun's rays. Mm -hmm. So this is probably why they assembled the top separately to give it this like golden tone to it and paint it. And then they kind of just lift it and put it on top. But we have none of the artifacts to show us that they did have levers, that they were able to do that. Where it's just like, this is just what we think it would look like based off of written accounts of what the pyramids ended up looking like. But the pyramids were built in the specific shape nice. to look like the sun's rays. So knowing all of this, all the things I just explained to you about what we know about the quarries and the rocks and the archeology, span why are the pyramids so mysterious? The pyramids, unlike Stonehenge, the pyramids aren't mysterious because we don't know the way that they were constructed. We can we can <laughs> fathom together how they were constructed, even though yeah. like these people must have worked so hard. So, like they would have been like these poor people building this pyramid. It's so much. It's not that. It's all the other weird stuff around the pyramids that makes it mysterious. And this is the stuff that really gets me. So the Great Pyramid of Khufu contains massive interior chambers with support beams that support up to 40 tons. 40 tons is the maximum weight of a fully articulated sem semi truck. Like that is how that is how heavy that is. And the Egyptians mm. knew enough about physics and weight distribution to make that possible. Um, that's why the interior is made out of limestone. They had to carve out these inner chambers. Um, a specific chamber that's very impressive is the king's chamber, and it is located 43 meters inside the pyramid. It's deep in there, and not only is it 43 centimeters, 43 meters in, Wait. it is 65 meters up. So it's truly like they hollowed out uh, the center of the pyramid. That's so dangerous. It's dangerous, and yet it's never collapsed. It was done with perfect precision. Well, good for them. Perfect understanding of architecture, which wasn't being mm -hmm. done anywhere else in the world, or that we have proof of. But that's not even the crazy part, Jane. I'm going to start talking to you about the mathematics mm -hmm. of the pyramids, which, like, just sends me. Okay, so the outside edge of the pyramids were laid with perfect accuracy. Each face of the pyramid or sorry, each, bo each bottom length. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about area, surface yeah. area. I'm talking about the length of, of each side is exactly 230.3 meters long. Oh, exactly. and it's such a specific it is a perfect square. And the mathematical knowledge to you use to build the pyramids is like truly shocking. The structure itself, this is insane, is aligned within Two sixtieth of a degree of true north. That is more accurate than any other man-made structure Whoa. on Earth. On Earth, Jane. 
What makes it even crazier is because the Earth's axis shifts very gradually over time, it is plausible to assume (gasps) that when the pyramid was built, it was even more accurate. Like it could have been spot on. There is no other structure on Earth that is that close to facing true north because it's, it's too hard. It's too hard to be that accurate. So here's the structure that like somehow is perfectly aligned to the, to the Earth's axis. But not only is it perfectly aligned to the cardinal points, not only that, if you were to draw a circle going outward from each of the cardinal and ordinal points of the pyramid to make a perfect circle around the Earth in all eight directions, those circles will travel past more land than if you did this in any other location of Earth on Earth, any, any other one. It passes the most land, which means that the Pyramid of Khufu is located at the exact center of the world's landmass. Say wait, say that. That again. is what that means. What do you, it so if you were to take the pyramid and you start say eight people started walking out from the pyramid uh-huh. in all the cardinal and ordinal. Ordinal is like northwest, southwest, southeast. Um, and started walking out in a circle in those directions so that eventually they would loop back around perfectly oh. to the and get to the other side of the pyramid. Those eight people would pass more land than if those yeah, eight people they'd departed be more likely to from hit any other point other on Earth. Which means, yeah, because <gasps> it hits the most landmass of like that Pangea, is the geographical center. No, like of the Earth's entire land, like of all, because we weren't Pangea at the time. We were long past Pangea. And yet they placed a pyramid at the exact center of all <gasps> landmass on Earth. Oh, God. Okay. This, Jane, it's only going to get crazier. Okay. It's only getting crazier. Additionally, Instead of measuring the blocks used to build the pyramid by feet or meters, they used what was called the royal cubit. And a royal cubit is equal to 1.86 feet. Earlier I said 1.86 meters. It's 1.86 feet. That measurement, 1.86 feet, is exactly 25 millionth of the length of the pole diameter of the Exactly. Like North Pole to South Pole. That's the exact measurement. It's the exact measurement, which means because of this, if you translate the bottom edge of the pyramid into cubits instead of meat, instead of that 230 meters, that bottom edge (gasps) is 365.242 cubits long, which (gasps) is the exact length of a year right down to the quarter day. That's so scary. Okay. The edges of the pyramid also correspond to the latitude and longitude of the equator, meaning the height and width of the pyramid are equivalent to a scale model of the northern hemisphere. It's I am, the exact I'm same shaking. <laughs> you should have seen me watching the Ancient Aliens episode about this. I was reeling. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> oh no. Also, the one of the coordinates of the pyramids is 
29.979245 degrees north. And that number is the exact speed of light traveling through space. It's the exact same number. So, like, essentially, this is all just too much to be like, this is just a pure coincidence. They just built a pyramid <laughs> in the exact center of the Earth's landmass that is a perfect scale to the measurements of the northern hemisphere, where the 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 length of it is equal to a year <laughs> down to the quarter day. What? <laughs> it doesn't make it doesn't make it doesn't make any sense. Has it been proven that it is physically possible for the Egyptians to have built the pyramids? Absolutely. So what about the math? Is there a possibility that they understood the math and that they understood that the earth takes, that they just had a more advanced understanding of of astronomy than we did? Because again, a lot of information was lost. A lot of information was lost. So is it possible? Well, mathematician John Taylor, who's prominent in the 19th century, proposed that the number pi was also incorporated into the, into the design of the Great Pyramid of Khufu, which if they understood pi, it is possible that they, had, that they did have a complex understanding of math. He discovered that if one divides the perimeter of the pyramid by its height, they, you obtain a close approximation of 2 pi. Now, you also get 2 pi when you divide the circumference of a circle by its radius. And knowing what we know about the measurements of the pyramid, this also adds to the theory that the pyramid was meant to be a model of the Earth. Because, like I said, the pyramid is a perfect model of the Northern Hemisphere, which would, (laughs) that length radius that that he's trying to find that is 2 pi if he was actually looking for the circumference, would give you the circumference of the earth. Most of our knowledge about ancient Egyptian mathematics comes from something called the Rhind Papyrus, um, which dates to 1650 BC. But the scribe Ames, who wrote the the papyrus, states on the papyrus that he copied it from a document from 1800 BC that we don't have. But he said that he copied it from them. So this math existed before them. And the papyrus in question consists of a famous table of the numbers two over n, where n equals three, five, seven, continuing in odds all the way to 101. And all of those are expressed as fractions, Mm -hmm. as a sum of fractions with the numerator one. And then there are about 85 assorted mathematical exercises together with their solutions and exercises 56 to 60 deal specifically with pyramids. And essentially those problems are trying to find the inclination of a triangular face. They're trying to find the slope, which they okay. call the, se- the second. The second. I don't know how it's spelled. Which means that this, I don't know how, I forget how it's spelled, mm-hmm. but it's, it is, it's slope mm-hmm. of, of the pyramid. It's the inclination. So this papyrus provides evidence that the Egyptians had complex mathematical understanding about geometry. So, is all their knowledge about the geometry possible? Is it possible that this all was done very intentionally? Yes. My question is, if they understood the geometry, if we know that it was physically possible for them to build it, that all makes sense to me. What doesn't make sense is how did they know about the Earth's measurements? How did they know what the scale was? If they were trying to build a scale of the Earth, how did they know what the measurements were? 
I don't know, man. And that's what that's what baffles me. Yeah. <laughs> the speed of light thing also really got me because that's a lot of decimal places. That's a lot of decimal places. A lot of margin, <laughs> a lot of room for error. And they were pretty spot on there. Um, so my takeaway here is that there's a lot left to understand. Yes. But do I think all of this is absolutely bonkers? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> I drove Jane insane. I drove her into madness. I've driven Jane into I madness. Mean, I drove myself into I'm madness. Like, it's, it's, it's absurd. I, like, I, I did, I did not sleep a lot last night. You know how you like can't sleep before the first day of something? Like it was like a mix of that, and I just like couldn't get comfortable. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. so I'm running on very little sleep. But like, even if I was rested, like you broke me. Like I don't. <laughs> It's like what keeps you up at night the pyramid is a is a perfect scale model of the northern hemisphere the length of the bottom is exactly 365.24 days <laughs> the speed of light is incorporated in there about the ocean today that i was like sarah can never learn this i just like i <laughs> well now now you have to tell me i forget what it was but like the largest known whale is it a blue whale mm-hmm. or something it's a blue whale Jane. anyway God, i don't only talk about this all sarah knows it anyway basically um so a blue whale today or not today but recently washed ashore and it had been um bitten cleanly in half um so that gives us evidence that there is something there's a creature in the ocean large enough to like in one bite just be like um and take off the back half it's the mega giant squid you can't tell me it's not (laughs) that's him oh my god anyway this has been jane and sarah are scared (laughs) 2021 thank you so much it's so scary if we don't if we didn't make you scared we'll get you next time i guess thank you Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at YKWIBW Podcast. You can check out our website, I've been wondering.com. If you like what you're hearing, please consider leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. And finally, if you have something you've been wondering, you can email us at I've been wondering podcast at gmail.com. And we'd love to put it on our show. Jane, you know what I've been wondering? So what have you been wondering? February is Black History Month. And obviously we should be acknowledging and talking about Black history all the time. But something that Mm -hmm. I've been wondering recently that I think would tie in nicely with Black History Month is I want to learn about like the life of Serena and Venus Williams. Or the the lives of them. Like I just want to know more about these people and like how they started training in tennis and like yeah you know more about them as people yeah okay yeah okay i'm glad that sounds fun they are they're they're cool ladies they're badass all right oh no you might get mad at me for this no do you know what i've been of course i know Well, this like I think you'll be fine, and I don't think you need because okay. again, it's it's not science. Um, so we've had an episode on fairies, we've had an episode on werewolves. I'd like you to tell me about like. <laughs> Do they ever be bad because they have and- fish tails? <laughs> I can handle it. 
and they live in the ocean and the ocean scares you but like you don't need to talk about their yeah yeah yeah, i can i can ariel but i know it it might get a little scary but it's all again it's all fictional there are no mermaids as far as we know mermaid folklore of course (laughs) all right that's what's coming at you next week thank you so much for listening this is you know what i've been wondering